Hey guys, this is your host, Johnny D. And this is Brent. Just wanted to share some big news with you guys. The Climb Show Music Business Podcast is now a part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network. That's right. We're super excited to be part of this network along with some other amazing podcasts. Yeah, so make sure you check it out at americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast or click the link in the episode notes to listen to some of the best shows in music. That's right. All right, Johnny, do your thing. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's why we called it The Climb, because leverage is what you're going to need. A track record of success. Not only that you can make awesome intellectual property that you're an artist, but there are people who want to consume your art. That is going to create leverage and get you, number one, just attention because the industry isn't taking the diamond in the rough anymore and making you better. The only way you're going to get their attention is, hey, this is how many followers we have. This is what our engagement rate is. This is how many streams we have. This is how many video views we have. That's what they're looking at. And the good news is you don't need anybody's permission. The bad news is you got to do it yourself to get it started. That's why we called it The Climb, creating leverage in the music business, C-L-I-M-B. That is a Baxter and from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he actually connects you to the pros. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's complicated, but thankfully, Johnny's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andrew Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. Morning, brother. How you doing, buddy? Oh, doing all right. Just ride shotgun on this one, which is always fun because I can, you know, just check my phone the whole time. Like <laughs> That's right. Like We're my wife about... does on road trips, you know, love it. <laughs> we are going to talk about the future of the music industry. <laughs> and when we say that the future of the music industry is Hollywood, what? it's not exactly what you think. So you want to hang out for that. You're it's... talking about just sync licensing, getting songs in movies? You're talking about something else. Oh, it's much, much, much deeper than that. Ooh. We're going to really get down into it. I'm going to blow your mind with some stats just to show you how much things have changed already and help you guys position yourselves as artists and musicians and songwriters for the future. And listen, your future's so bright, y'all need to go out and buy some shades. That's what's happening, okay? So, but before we do that, let's get to a little bit of business here. We know it's a digital world, but it's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. We're getting back into the clubs. The gigs are starting up again. Not Nashville, but everywhere else on the freaking planet. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, t-shirts, this is what's become a mission-critical income generator to get you to the next town and get some food in your belly. 
That's right. You know, for every CD you sell at a gig, you need about, oh, 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams. Listen, we like streams. Go get as many as you can. But you're leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table, especially as things are opening up. They're not letting as many of your fans into your shows because it's you know half capacity, quarter capacity as you know social distancing. What you want to do is you want to maximize the revenue potential of each person that makes it in those doors, each one of your fans. A great way to do that is having merch. So thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. You can find them online at discmakers.com, that's D-I-S-C, makers.com, or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I know. Listen, um, how much do you love the climb community? I love bunches, oodles, and more than just a pinch. (laughs) <laughs> well, there you go. So do I. We want you to love it, too. So join the Climb community on Facebook. You have to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. And there's plenty of killer information, writers setting up, co-writes, artists and musicians asking questions about marketing, positioning, branding, all this kind of stuff that you need to know now. Ask a question. You're going to get an answer from a great community of people who are very interested in helping one another, which is what we're most proud of. That's right. And you know, I just want to share a quick win from our climb community. This might be a good spot to do that. Yeah. Is every week we share the new heights post. And so climbers are encouraged to post one of their latest music wins, big or small. We love them all. And so some folks have done that. So here's a recent one from, let's see here. Judy Ann Will says, so close to getting back to my daily guitar practice routine. I've had to back way off since March. It's been tough to say no most days. Shoulder stuff is getting better, so I have to pace myself. I'm excited, and there's so much catching up to do. So apparently, Judy Ann has some shoulder challenges, some physical stuff going on, but she's getting back into it, getting back into that daily practice, that daily guitar practice routine. And I think that's so critical if you want to be a musician, if you're a songwriter, to have that daily practice, that daily ritual. So Judy Ann, hope you're healing up quickly, and I'm glad you're getting back into it and seeing that as a win, because it is. So good job. Awesome. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts. Leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200. Takes 30 seconds. We hope for a five star, but if you leave a two star, we'll still read it or a one star. We'll read it on the air. We're going to read them all on the air and tell a friend about it. If this is meaningful to you, if you're getting valuable information, if it's worth the time that you spend with us, tell a musician, another songwriter, another artist friend of yours and turn them on to it. Let them know that this is the place to be. That's right. So let's get into this. First of all, here's what I mean by the future of music is in Hollywood. And I keep watching this very closely. I've been watching it for the last couple of years, and it's just so insanely on point. Believe me, I am no crazy genius with a crystal ball that can see the future. I've been accused of a lot of things, and those two are not any of them. Like... <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just watching what's happened in Hollywood. So we're going to talk about how this means more money for you, more money for writers, and what you need to be paying attention to moving forward because it's changing and it's changing very fast. And it's changing much more to the benefit of the artist and the writer. However, if you're not aware of that, if you're still playing the old chess game and not the new version then you're going to be banging your head against the wall. You're going to be forgotten. You're not going to succeed. And that's just the long and the short of it, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is really important content here. 
Hollywood and the music industry are very, very similar industries with one very important distinction, and that's the product that they make. And we'll get into that in a second, but Hollywood and the music industry are both about the same age. They're right around 100 years old-ish, right? Mm -hmm. And we have two different industries that make artistic intellectual property, and they monetize that artistic intellectual property and promote to monetize that artistic intellectual property on broadcast platforms. That's the way it's always been done. And we've talked about this before, but I got some stats for you, Brent. Ooh, stats. The numbers don't lie because the numbers can't talk, okay? <laughs> That's right. But I don't mind repeating this because it needs to be pounded into y'all's heads, you know? When you think about the difference between what Amazon knows about you as a consumer, which is everything, right? Your email address, phone number, multiple credit cards, multiple shipping addresses. They know what you purchased. They know what you thought about purchasing but chose not to buy. They have all that data, all that information. And then if you think about what the music industry knows about you as a consumer, you know, you bought a CD before. Well, what is Sony or Universal or Warner know about you as a consumer? And the answer is nothing. Somewhere between Jack and Squat. Yeah, absolutely nothing. And so Hollywood, up until recently, same way, right? They make these movies, they have demographics, they have some stats, but they pushed it out there. And they don't know that you bought a ticket to go watch that movie in the movie theater. They don't know that you, John Q. Public, actually watched Friends on Thursday night in, you know, 1996. They had Nielsen ratings, and they would put a chip in certain people's boxes that would allow it so that their consumption habits could be tracked, and then they would extrapolate their rating shares from that. But now they're getting real rating shares, right? Because mm -hmm. we see, you know, a company like Netflix kind of come out of the blue. It was a company that was selling CDs through the mail. Right. It was like the new blockbuster. So you didn't have to go out of your house. You could just order stuff and it would show up the next day. And then they turned into this streaming platform and they showed Hollywood that, hey, there's a lot of money to be made. This is where it's all going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then as it would happen, my mom used to say water will always seek its own level. Once they showed that's where the TV was going to be consumed, where the money was going to be made and how to do it, the rights holders, the people who own the licenses, you know, NBC owns Friends, why wouldn't they say, we should get all the money for our intellectual property? Because... We spent the millions putting it together. We took the risk to make it happen. So it should be rightly show that the owners of the intellectual property should get 100% of the revenue. And so what did you see? You see NBC start their own streaming service and they've pulled most of their titles from Netflix. And so did Disney Plus and so did CBS All Access and so did HBO, HBO Max. And now we have a Hollywood where... If you subscribe to Disney Plus, they've got your email address. They're behaving mm -hmm. more like Amazon, aren't they? They have your credit card information. They know what you're watching and what you're not watching. Mm -hmm. And so step one is the awareness that there's a lot of data out there to get, and we should have the data and have a relationship with the ultimate end user of our product. Number two is collect the data 
And step number three is then know what the heck to do with the data. Right? <laughs> that last part's important too. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have a situation there where I look at Hollywood and the music industry very similar. Netflix is the Spotify of Hollywood. And so what happened with Netflix is going to happen with Spotify. You know, Spotify is making a big push towards podcasting because they understand that time is running out for the way that they're doing business. At some point, the labels are going to realize that all this money is being made on streaming. You know, it's still maturing. It's still becoming a mature market. We're not there yet. But as it begins to mature, they're going to say, whatever we're splitting with Spotify is too much. Mm -hmm. Because if we're universal and we own the Taylor Swift brand and Taylor Swift generates $300 million of ad revenue every time she puts a single out, we should get all that, all of it. Yeah. And then we can pay for certain platforms as services or whatever, but there's no reason for a third party to be involved with this. But there is a third party involved with it right now. And that's where a lot of the money is that should be going to the artists and should be going to the writers. Okay. But the Taylor Swift's own... The traffic, the U2s own the traffic, you indie artists own the traffic. And while you may not be big enough to get a whole lot of industry attention by yourself as a group of competitive indie artists, you're a very, very, very big group. Here's some data to support that. 2018, the streaming amount of songs that were streamed in the United States on Spotify increased by 46% and zero increase happened from the top 500 stream songs. So, I mean, if you think about Christmas being two weeks out of the year and Mm -hmm. nobody's, the charts don't even work on Christmas. That gives us not a 52 week year, but a 50 week year in the music industry and your top 10 every week, top 500 stream songs. There you go. <laughs> right? Yep. Those are your major labels. Those did not increase at all. So where did the 46% increase in overall streams in the United States in 2018 come from? A bunch of different indie artists yeah. who are figuring out how to find an audience. Okay? But... I just want to go up to 30,000 feet and look at what's happening so you can see the whole chessboard because we're very busy right now down in the trenches trying to make our own donuts and work our way through the forest. But let's just go up a little bit and talk about what's coming next. And I'm going to do this by looking in Hollywood once again. So a couple days ago, the 2020 Emmy nominations were announced. Mm-hmm. This is the 72nd Emmy show, 72nd Emmy presentation. So the first Emmys were created on January 25th, 1949. Wow. Yeah, before TV. It was all about the best content that was happening in Los Angeles at the time, and then it grew to the behemoth that it became in the heyday. And now things are falling off because, well, not for nothing, the Emmys this year will be broadcast on ABC, right, which is Mm -hmm. a major network, once again. Let's just share some Emmy numbers here. I'm just going to do big numbers. Mm -hmm. The winner with the most nominations for Emmys this year in 2020, and not by a little bit, but by a lot, and it broke a record, was Netflix with 160 nominations. Wow. HBO was second, a distant second, with 107. Mm -hmm. Amazon had 47 nominations. Mm -hmm. 
I couldn't even find Fox or CBS, so I don't. They might not have gotten anything, yeah. possibly. But NBC had forty six noms, ABC had thirty six. Okay, and then starting to creep their way up from the bottom. Apple TV had eighteen nominations. Hmm. Disney Plus, which is also ABC, but Disney Plus makes their own content too that doesn't have to comply with the network and the FCC and all that. They got mm-hmm. eighteen. Queeby got ten. Ten wow. nominations. Who's Queeby? Exactly. Yeah. Disney Plus doesn't have a ton of original content on there yet. There's like Mandalorian and... I think Mandalorian was the one that walked away with it all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Um, about it so far. There's some Marvel stuff that's supposed to be out, but it's not even out yet because of COVID. So... There you go. Believe me, I'm going to bring this all home to what it means to you, you singers, songwriters, indie artists, okay? But the big three streaming platforms, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, grand total of 184 nominations. Wow. Very little nominations from the networks. And essentially, the networks have dominated the Emmys. It was all about primetime television. Mm -hmm. And it was always about the big networks. And back in the day, just like in the music industry, if you had an idea for a TV show or something like that and you wanted to make it happen, well, the heads of the TV networks were the ones that were your god. They were going to decide whether or not you could find an audience or not find an audience because your only choice was to be on TV. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read just the first two or three paragraphs from this Forbes article that came out on July 28th, 2020. The title of this is Emmy Nominations 2020, a blow to network TV or business as usual. The times they are changing, and that's why I'm going to read this to you, okay? Mm -hmm. Here it is. Earlier today, Hollywood talent, actors, writers, directors, producers, and the various huge infrastructure departments that serve them, along with the scores of publicists, agents, managers, and lawyers, waited anxiously as Leslie Jones read off the various nominations for the 2020 Emmy Awards. Less nervous were the major broadcast network presidents, those residing over the once prestigious and dominant schedules of ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. Why weren't these fancy suits emotionally waiting the TV Academy's news? Easy. They already knew they didn't have a chance. (laughs) Ouch. It's like I haven't been nervous during the college football playoffs for a while because I'm a Razorback fan. (laughs) Yeah. You know, haven't been nervous during that because ah, we haven't been represented. These were the titans that once dominated everything, that got to decide whether you had a career or not had a career. And now they can't even compete with Netflix or Amazon or HBO. It's been around like a long time, you know, since the 80s. Nowhere near as long as, you know, Fox, NBC, CBS and Mm -hmm. ABC. But... It's always been pay-per-view. It's always been a subscription-based service. It's never had to deal with the FCC. So the content's a lot better. It's winning a lot more awards. And let's talk about what else has changed. Where did Hollywood start, Brent? Like, what was Hollywood's first product that they put out? I mean, I would imagine it was theatrical movies, right? Nope. Even before that, it was radio, theatrical oh, radio okay, yeah. and comedic radio before we came up with moving pictures. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we came up with moving pictures and Hollywood was kind of blowing up there. And then they added sound to it. So we had the talkies. Mm-hmm. The Oscars have been around longer than the Emmys. Right. And then the 50s, we created TV. When TV came out, all of the dramatic and comedic content that dominated radio 
immediately moved over to TV. It was a better medium for that. Mm-hmm. And radio had to rethink, what are we going to do now? Let's do music. Okay. Yeah. You know, we've got this huge audience we can reach. We've got to give them something that they want to consume. And so they pivoted and started creating music, thank goodness, right? That worked out well for us. Yeah, it did. Hollywood works like this. It still works like I was married to a producer. And I can tell you that you are, even in the infrastructure in Hollywood, your value in the marketplace is how much you were paid last time. Okay, for whatever that was. Mm -hmm. So if you're an actor or if you're a producer or this or that. So Anne would have to pass on gigs sometimes that paid less, because if you were making, you know, three thousand bucks a week on this gig and then you took another gig for two thousand bucks a week because you needed the job, Mm -hmm. the next gig you got after that, you got to work your way back up to three thousand again. Hmm. It's just the way that Hollywood works. It's strange like that. And therefore, The mindset of the artists in Hollywood was, you know, you climbed out of TV and you could go and make it to the big screen. Look at like Bruce Willis, right? Huge TV Mm -hmm. star on um, Moonlighting. Yeah, Moonlighting. That's right. And then a motion picture star. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you were a motion picture star that went backwards to TV, it was like, oh, hey, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, nice. Glad you're working. God bless. Yeah. But you're going backwards. The bloom is coming off the rose. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And it was that way for decades. As long Mm -hmm. as there's been TV, it was that way. So 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Now, the people that won these Emmys for Netflix, this is... Or the nominations. The nominations, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. This is Don Cheadle. This is Michael Douglas. These are massively huge movie stars that are now pivoting and changing and making boatloads of money on Netflix mm-hmm. and on Amazon and on Hulu. So what does that mean for us as artists? Why am I so excited about this? Because 
let's look at what's the changes that have happened in the music industry. So the chasm that these industries need to cross to go from doing business the way they've always done it for the last 75 or 80 years plus to behaving more like Amazon is the size of the freaking Grand Canyon. I mean, you're talking about corporate DNA mm-hmm. to completely reimagine the way that you do business and all of the things and the trappings that come with that. The digital platform is not famous, right? It's more interactive. It's not ivory tower. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of platforms with smaller audiences as opposed to three channels and a hundred million viewers on a Wednesday night at seven. You know, it doesn't work like that anymore. Mm-hmm. So we have a situation where let's just talk about the changes that are beginning to happen in the record labels. The artist's are getting more powerful. They're coming in with more leverage because they have the audience, which creates the traffic. And whoever owns the traffic can write their own check, period. It's the end of the story. Like, how did Granger Smith get a record deal? Because he was already making $1.8 million a year from his laptop. Yeah. He already had a bunch of traffic. And they wanted in on that, and they could make that bigger. Cody Johnson, how do you get a major label record deal? He sold out a Legion Center by his dang self as an indie artist. 75,000 seats on a live show. Sold it out. Mm-hmm. That's traffic. And they know that there's traffic, and there's money in traffic. And so these artists got the best deals that are available out there. They're more like partnerships. They're more like a kind of deal you would expect somebody like a brand name like Aerosmith or Madonna to get after they've sold 30 million records and if their contract's up for renegotiation, you know? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do to sweeten the pot? So after Spotify went public, or prior to Spotify going public, they gave each of the major labels a boatload of stock options, and they gave the largest independent labels, the most significant independent labels, stock options. Mm-hmm. So they go public, And this is like a gift, right? This is a windfall of money. And Sony, I think, made somewhere between $750 million to a billion dollars a week later in cash (laughs) after selling their stock. And they come out of nowhere with a headline, a press release that says, we're going to share some of this with our artists. And you're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. You know, we know uh, personally and friends with artists who've sold 8 million records and never recouped. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Like, come on, you got to be kidding me. But where's the benevolence? Why are they going to share this? And there's not a contract on the planet that says that if they make money from sale of stock on a new technology, that they got to share it with an artist. Right. So that's just them saying, hey, we should do this for the artists. Since when does that happen? Since the artists have more power now. They don't want situations happening like with J-Lo. You know, J-Lo top 10, I don't even think it's female. I think it's just top 10 earning entertainers. She's in the top 10 last year at the height of her career. She left her label. She went to an indie. Why? She doesn't need them anymore because she has all the traffic Mm -hmm. in the brand name. And so now she can make more money going to an indie label and creating more of a partnership rather than a, this is what you got to do kind of a thing with the major. So We're starting to see shifts now, just like the big movie stars are going to the small screen now. They're making more money. They're bringing huge audiences. Those Mm -hmm. actors create traffic. So you put those actors who can create traffic with writers who know what they're doing 
And it's an explosion of killer content. And also one thing I'm thinking of, too, is climbers, you know, as artists and creatives, just like the actors are artists and creatives. It's like unless you're going to do some small indie films, right, which you don't get out there and get seen much. You know, you kind of have your big blockbusters where you make your money, you're trying to make your name and you got a certain amount of those. And then if you want to go scratch that creative itch to maybe do a smaller scale thing or just something that, again, scratches that itch. You might have some little art house films, some little indie stuff, but now you have so much more opportunity. You didn't have that opportunity on TV before because you're like, oh, I'm going to go do a one-off little series or a little movie or something and get on ABC. No, but now you have all these other places, Hulu and Netflix, that were like, yeah, we'll throw you some money to go do your passion project. And it just opens up what they can do artistically. Yeah. Because I think the math changes on that, which is great thinking about that for artists as well, going, hmm. You don't have to fit into that commercial box anymore. You know, on broadcast platforms, listen, it was very exciting, but it's also extremely restricting, mathematically restricting, but also artistically restricting. Mm -hmm. How many compromises does an artist have to make once they get onto a major label because they got to appease the people who are at the helm of the major label and those people have to appease the stockholders that own Mm -hmm. that major label, right? They're publicly traded companies. And then they also have to appease terrestrial radio. And those people there have got to appease their stockholders, Mm -hmm. publicly traded company. So it gets very, very sterile just by design. And now it's no secret that Netflix is blowing everybody away because it's subscription. The FCC rules don't apply. So they can do what they want to do. They can be the artists they want to be, as edgy as they want to be, as dirty as they want to be, as clean as they want to be. It doesn't matter. There's no rules. You just have to be good. And unlike a broadcast platform where you can create this content and then you're beholden to these gods of the networks to give you the opportunity to get that art in front of new eyeballs. It's out there now. It can be out there. So, um, first of all, Brent, how much longer do you think the Emmys are going to be on a network? (laughs) Like, When Uh, do the Emmys move over to Netflix? (laughs) Well, yeah, or I guess they're like, well, we got to keep it on the... Majors, because sometimes people watch it. I mean, I don't even know if people are watching this stuff anymore, so. Not much. I think just a traffic change. You know, there's a lot of reasons for the declining viewership of the Emmys and the Oscars and all that crap, the Mm -hmm. Golden Globes, because, you know, the the artists get a little carried away with other stuff. But I think part of it, too, is that the audiences are drastically diminished on broadcast platforms, and they're much heavier on digital platforms. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to just talking about the big picture here. So Sony goes and makes that revelation. Okay, great. You're thinking, I'm an indie artist. You know, what does that mean for me? Well, about a week after Sony made that announcement, one of the most significant indie labels, Beggar's Table, came out and made an announcement. They made $130 million from selling their stock in Spotify. And they said they're going to split 47 or 46% of the revenue with their artists. And so they put a number on it, right? They won up Sony, put a number on it, and also said very little of it's going to go to recoup. Ah, so just so, like check in the mail. Yeah, big yeah. fat check in the mail just for being on the label. Thank you. We love you. Why would they do that? Because... I got a pun. Do it. Because these days, beggars can be choosers. This is beggars <laughs> table. Right. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Boom. That just happened. That just happened. <laughs> because they need the artists. It used to be 
that a label like Universal, because they had relationships and the money to spend to make those relationships happen with terrestrial radio stations and with the big companies that owned the terrestrial radio stations, they were the ones that created the traffic for a Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to put you on the air. You're not going to get any traffic unless you're on the air. Right. And we're going to put you on radio and we're going to put you on MTV or VH1 or CMT or whatever, your favorite music channel. And we're going to create a brand name and we're going to create the traffic. And if we do a good job and you want to do it again, you're going to need us again to mm-hmm. make it happen. Right? right. And now Taylor Swift can put out whatever Taylor Swift wants even though she's still with Universal, I believe. Now the deal is that Taylor Swift creates the traffic, mm-hmm. not the label. So that's a problem for the label, right? They're going to have to figure out a different way to do business because as these contracts wear out, what's to stop a Tim McGraw and a Taylor Swift and whomever from pulling a J-Lo and doing what they're yeah. going to do right now? Oh, Johnny, that's great. Indie artist, thanks. You know, that doesn't apply to me. Those are major label artists. I'm an indie artist. I'm over here sucking it with no money. Well, here's the thing, guys. You know, Queeby came from nowhere. Netflix was selling DVDs. They were renting DVDs before they switched over to this platform and became this huge juggernaut. So when I talk about the 46% increase in streams in Spotify, indie artists as a whole are very, very powerful as long as they're competitive. Brent, think about the move we just made with our podcast. Mm-hmm. Joining the American Songwriter Podcast Network. Yeah, we're much stronger as part of this network mm-hmm. than we were on our own, right? We're getting mm-hmm. more eyeballs, and the network as a whole becomes attractive to advertisers who may not have looked upon each individual podcast as being a big enough source of traffic for them to mess with. Right. Mm -hmm. But now as a whole, it's very interesting. Right. Because there's plenty of traffic. That and just on another note, we've been getting so many more submissions for people wanting to be on the show. Yep. Since we joined the network. Yes. You know, just raised our kind of marquee value. I'm not saying that to our own horns. You know, we've worked hard to get to this point. But all of a sudden you're you're in with, you know, a very well-respected brand, American songwriter. You're in with these other great podcasts. So all of a sudden you're just more findable and people are like, oh, okay, immediately more legit, right? Just by association and exactly people reaching out. So it's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. So now do you see how this is going to move into the music industry, right? We have platforms where artists are already figuring out how to find that audience. That's what made that needle move 46% in 2018 on Spotify streams in the U.S. But this is indie artists figuring out a way to get to their audience, okay? Mm -hmm. And just like, there's a big move that happened 20 years ago to Pro Tools, right? Where all of a sudden it became affordable, 20 or 30 years ago, to Pro Tools. It became affordable to be able to record in your own house, to have a home recording studio, where before, when I was an artist... You'd have to go spend some money at some crappy old demo studio that has a half big board and, you know, it's not that great or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's all you could afford. But he had tape and he could, you know, and it worked and this is what you could do. Well, now I want you to think about how many people listen to my voice right now have the capability 
or can easily get the capability to record their own music if they're not already doing it in their own home. And the only thing that's missing is you've got to spend a little bit of money on the gear. You have to spend a lot of time on the craft and learning how to be an engineer and a producer, mm-hmm. right? Right. On top of being a writer and an artist. Well, here comes the next turn. We've talked about this a few episodes back. You're a media company now. So you can't afford to put out a video with every single single. You should be putting out a single every single month. You need to be consistent with that. Absolutely have to be consistent with that. If you're not, you're just going to be forgotten. You have to be consistent to build the audience. Well, Johnny, I can't afford to go hire a video crew and do it like we used to do it back when Bon Jovi was making slippery one wet videos and they were costing 250 grand. I'm I mean, not prepared to go flying over an audience in a concert on the guide wire. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. But now you can make your own video. There's amazing things you can do with iMovie, which is right in your thing. I, we just did a, some corporate videos. My intern had, I think it's called Sony Vegas or something. I don't think it cost them anything. It's amazing what that software can do. All you got to do is get the camera, get the gear, get some lights, and learn how to edit some videos. Because you're going to need to bring it in-house to do it consistently over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, and you build it up, just like we did with this podcast, and then somebody's going to put a new network together, or a new conglomerate, or a new streaming platform, and they're going to want you... The only way you're going to be discoverable is if you have that leverage built up, that track record. But it's coming, and the money's going to get better. How do I know that? A couple episodes ago, we talked about Facebook now changing to a video-first platform. They're directly going to compete with YouTube. You can monetize on Facebook now. But you know what? You've got to have a criteria to monetize. You have to have a certain amount of views in a certain amount of time and a certain amount of engagement, like within the last two months to be able to monetize. So unlike the movie star that used to put out a movie and then two years later would put out another movie and they got to stay famous, mm-hmm. unlike the old album cycle where the album would come out, it would blow up on radio and you'd go on tour for 18 months and then come back and do another album. Facebook's not paying you for that. Facebook's only going to pay you if, number one, you have enough traffic, and number two, that traffic is consistent, Mm -hmm. right? When they're taking averages over the last two months, 60 days, they want consistency. So you have to consistently put out the content. Now, if Facebook wants to steal some of the traffic from YouTube, they're going to need to give them an incentive. Mm -hmm. They're going to pay them more. Yeah. You're going to pay more money. And by the way, this has never happened. You guys realize there's been no competition against YouTube. And really, there hasn't been a lot of competition against Spotify. But Spotify's the middleman. And eventually, the way they're doing business now, the brand name will be around. But the way they're doing business now, it's not going to be the same. As indie artists, you are the owner of the intellectual property. You will get 100% of the revenue. Somebody's going to set that up, okay? It's right around the corner where you can make all of that money. And it's not going to take a whole lot to be able to make a decent living at it. There are already YouTubers, and I'm not telling you to be a YouTuber, but there are people that just do cover songs that are really amazing artists, amazing musicians, amazing singers, and they've built up a following on YouTube, of hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and they make comfortable six and seven figure livings just making cover songs, and they're happy with that. Maybe they don't want to be the artist artist thing. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But my point is, they've already figured out a way to make a living. This is not a dream. This is not a theory. 
This is a reality, okay? And it's coming to you. Just a quick little blurb here where we're doing an ad campaign for one of our artists, Lala Deaton. And we have spent, just to give you an idea of how easy and inexpensive it is to reach an audience, okay? So far, we've spent a grand total of $305 on ad buys for her. And she has 619, almost 620,000 video plays hmm. on Facebook. She's got 4,225 people. 4,225 people have seen the video 100% of the way through. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Now, these aren't just consumption statistics. Again, these are accounts that we can retarget. Oh, yeah. Right? Over 5,000 people have seen it 75% of the way through. Let's look at engagement. She's had 182 people share the post. They liked it so much they shared it. She's had 890 people react to the post. So thumbs up, thumbs down, smiley face, laughing face, angry, whatever. Mm -hmm. 65 people have saved it. They thought so much of the content, they saved it. That's on the road to a super fan. 100% view is on the road to a super fan, okay? And here's the mind blow. 1,614 people, 1,614 people have clicked through to her website to learn more about who she is. Nice. 300 bucks. 300 bucks. Are -hmm. you kidding me? So, guys, this is how you've got to put this together. Number one, you've got to be a good artist. You've got to be compelling. You've got to know how to make a record. You got to know how to write a song. And if you don't know how to write a good song, you got to get with people that can help you write good songs and where you can learn. Number two, you got to make those donuts. You've got to know how to make that record. And then you've got to put a video together for it. And you've got to do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then number three, you're going to have to spend some money to get it out there. But if you consistently do this, you can become part of this bigger picture where you can be a working cog in a much bigger machine that's going to go out and say, hey, we can take this and make money. Think about how much Netflix did for the documentary platform. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. These are things that very rarely made the shelves of Blockbuster back in the day. But now there's much more documentaries out there. Why? Because there's money to be made on those documentaries. They're not Blockbuster hits. But you can make Good money on that. Same with artists, same with indie artists. This is the same category, guys. Do you see how excited I am about this? But it doesn't work unless you're working. You have to do the work. And you have to do the work intelligently, with intention. You have to know that it's up to you to make this happen. If you're an indie artist and your goal is to get on radio and you don't have a major label, then you're going to get on secondary radio and that's going to be a boatload of money you're going to spend and it's going to be a boatload of money that you're going to waste. I'm sorry. It's not going to break you. It's going to scratch your ego itch. But You're not going to have statistics like, you know, 4,225 people listen to this song 100% of the way through and I can reach out to them again. That's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. It's moving and it's moving quickly. And so just like a movie star would never be seen on the small screen because that would be deemed in Hollywood moving backwards. That would be, you know, socially and business wise, it would be a bad move, a step backwards. Mm -hmm. It used to be for the music industry. If you're not on the radio, you're not going to get anywhere. 
But we've already seen Cody Johnson dispel that myth, and we've already seen Granger Smith dispel that myth, and we've seen other artists who are out there making good livings right now. The YouTubers have dispelled that myth. Can you imagine making two, $300,000 a year just making music? That's winning right possible. there. That's awesome. It's yeah. possible. It's possible. And most of you listening to this podcast, you got a day job. And so maybe the goal to beat is going to be 30 grand a year mm. to 75 grand a year. Yeah, just replace that day job. Right. Yeah, just replace the day job. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you've got to move it forward, guys. So this is so exciting. I mean, I just can't believe how the newcomers like Netflix are just not inching out, but just straight up pummeling about the <laughs> head, neck, face, and chest area, yeah. the icons that used to be there and doing it their own way. And by the way, the other part of this is you can say, well, Johnny, that's great. I can do all these things, but I don't have enough money to do that. Well, as this begins to mature and it's maturing fastly, people are going to see that there's money to be made and that they can see the needle move and it's not a dart in the dark, right? Like that we can actually spend the money and move forward three steps on the game board, spend some more money, move forward another three steps mm -hmm. and we keep accumulating data and accumulating fans and we know who they are. This is something you can build on and people are going to want to invest in that because it's exciting and it makes that permanent backstage pass as an investor, a whole lot easier to do. Up until now, investors in the music industry are all about heart. They just love the artist. Now it can be business too. And it can be like, you know what? We can actually figure out a way to make this brand make money. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can. So that's what I want to leave you guys with. Hey, if you want to try to figure out how to put some of the pieces together for your artist journey, that's very much a one-on-one -on -one situation. We're available for consultations. Just email us at info at daredevilproduction.com. Put consultation in the subject line, and we will reach out and get something on the books. And we can look at all the assets that you have. I can tell you what you're missing, and we can start to help you create a strategy that's going to get you moving forward and growing this audience and monetizing, okay? Step two is download the free informational PDF, 21 Biggest Reasons You Don't Have More Fans and How to Fix It. It's free to you, no charge. Go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and tell us where to send it. This is going to give you some more in-depth outlines of what we talked about today. You know, why is digital different than broadcast and what does that mean to me as an artist? And it'll get your head thinking in the correct way so that you're asking the right questions. And when you start to move from fantasizing and romanticizing about the old way into understanding how the new way works, then you're going to start to ask the right questions and you're going to get the right answers, all right? Awesome. That's what we're here for, guys. This podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.